0: following is a teaching message from Shore Community Church. For more information on Shore for our teaching resources, visit www.shore.org.nz. All right, we are heading towards these baptisms at the end of our service and almost looks like a little bit of sunlight maybe coming through the skylights. We'll see how we go. I want to uh, before we get there I want to share a couple of thoughts from scripture. ...around what baptism is, uh, how it works, why it's important, where it fits into the Christian life. I know that baptism is something that there are different views and understandings of. And and we at Shaw here, as a church family, we've got people from across the spectrum... ...in terms of traditions and backgrounds and denominations. And people come from a range of different ways that baptism is or is not practiced. So I want to just bring us back and center us around a passage of Scripture this morning... Uh, that will give us, I think, the clearest picture in the New Testament of what baptism is, so that when we see these five baptisms happen in a few minutes, we've got an understanding of what is going on. It's not, we're not, we don't just go through the motions with this stuff. It's not just a ritual here. This is deeply, deeply significant, and I want us to have uh, clarity in our minds as we witness these baptisms this morning. So Romans chapter 6 is where we're going to be for, for a few minutes, and then we'll share communion together. Romans chapter 6, uh, this is written by the Apostle Paul, Paul of Tarsus, and uh, he gives us a description here of the, of the deep significance of baptism. We'll pick it up uh, in verse 3 of Romans 6. Or well, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Uh, Some people have argued that uh, what Paul is talking about in Romans six has nothing to do with baptism. Uh, it, it has been said that there's not a drop of water in Romans six. That even though Paul mentions this word baptism several times, and by the way, the grapple kids, our intermediate kids today, part of their worksheet is keeping count of how many times I say the word baptism. Okay, so if you see them writing furiously, that's why. Yeah, and if I do a few fakes and go to say baptism but say badminton, you know, it's, it's just to just to keep them on their toes. So it, thank you. So it, ha, it has been argued that. Romans 6 is not about baptism at all but is in fact about the spiritual immersion into Christ uh, aside from the physical self and people have said no Paul's not talking about water baptism he's talking about this kind of spiritual transformation and he's just using baptism as a metaphor to get at the heart of that transformation I tend to think that is separating out two things that Paul never separated which is the reality of water baptism and the, and the spiritual transformation that it represents. He holds those two things together so that he can talk about both at the same time. Those passages about the act of water baptism, but it's also about the deep significance of that act. There's a deep symbolism underneath the act of baptism, and that's what Paul's getting at here. And what he's saying is that the foundational events that baptism is built on are the death and resurrection of Jesus. Without those events, baptism means nothing. Or if those events happen to someone other than the Son of God, that baptism means nothing. Those events that we're going to celebrate next weekend at Easter, on Good Friday and Easter Sunday, they are the bedrock events underneath baptism. So that when you see a person getting baptized and when you, you, you witness these baptisms in a moment, what you are watching, what we will all be watching, is like a little Easter production. It's a reenactment of the death and resurrection of Jesus using the symbolism of water. That's what it is. That's why Paul is saying baptism is so inseparably connected to the death of Jesus, the death and burial, and the resurrection of Jesus on the other hand. Just as baptism has these two movements to it, going down under the water and then coming back out of the water, uh, so there is that symbolism of dying and being raised to new life with Jesus. That's what it represents. So it's like watching the Easter story. Dying and rising with Christ. First, the dying. When someone is baptized, the, the language that this passage uses is that their old self is done away with. That their old self is crucified with Christ. That the body of sin, the body ruled by sin is done away with. When a person gets baptized, what they're representing is that, that old identity. There is an old identity, an old self, an old person that is being crucified. It's being removed from us. It's being done away with. That old identity is a, is a life that we've all lived at one time, a life that is self-governed. Self-directed, self-centered, self-preoccupied, self-obsessed, self-determined. That selfish love that we have all been living at one time outside of God. Outside of God's saving love. Doesn't mean that you were an inherently selfish person. You may have been doing many nice things for others. You may have been making decisions for the good of your family. But the Bible tells us that outside of Jesus, outside of his love, we are living a fundamentally self-governed life, an egocentric life life, if you like, rather than centric or God-centered life. So we're, we have all been in that category. You may be in that category today. You're living a, a self-governed life. And, and I think it's perfectly possible to live that life in church. Uh, you, you may have lived your whole life in church. You may go to church every Sunday. You may give to the church. You might participate in church. You can sing these worship songs. But uh, it's it's really not about that. This is a question of identity. Maybe For the first time today, you may realize, actually, my identity is still in me. I'm still that old self. I'm still that old person. I'm I'm living that way outside of God's love. You may not have an active, personal, living relationship with Jesus. And if that's the case, you're still in that old identity. And the Bible says that identity has to die. It's so the only way to experience this new life that Jesus offered us is for that old identity to die. And so what we're saying when a person gets baptized is that old identity is crucified with Christ. It's saying that event of Jesus' death and resurrection, that, that they're not just things that happened 2,000 years ago. I'm joining my life to those events. I'm connecting myself to those realities. I'm dying with Jesus. I'm taking that old self and I'm nailing it to the cross with Christ. That is crucified now. That's done away. That identity is gone. That's what these people are saying and have said. That identity is gone. And that is why we don't baptize babies, because this is a question of identity. It's a question of where our ultimate allegiance is, and that's not something a baby can choose. That's why we have baby dedications so that we bring our children, and that's an act of faith on the part of the parents. That's the parents saying that we we hope and we pray that these children will grow up to accept Christ and to give their lives to Jesus, but they can't choose that. What we pray is that one day they fulfill that dedication in the waters of baptism, that one day they take that step for themselves, but that's why in Scripture we see baptism being something that people choose when they're old enough to decide who they're going to serve, where their identity is going to be, what, what the ground will be upon which they stand and base their lives upon. That's what baptism is about. That's why these people taking the step this morning have made this decision as a conscious, believing person, a decision about where they want their lives to be. So dying to the old life, and you see this movement in baptism, We the person goes under the water, they're dying with Christ, they're being buried with Christ, we hold them under there for a little while, you know, the deeper the sin, the longer you hold them under there. Andy Logue's going to be under for a while. It's going to take a bit of time. Once the air bubbles stop coming up, then we bring them up. But then, there, then there's that moment in baptism, which really is, is the climactic moment when the person comes up out of the water. And uh, those of you that have witnessed this, it's, just, it's a breathtaking moment. The person just breaks through the water, and there's this resurrection on the other side of death, resurrection. And this is, this is the wonder and the mystery in the celebration of baptism, that a person is saying that old life is dying, but I'm being raised to a new identity and a brand new life, a new life in which this person is reconciled to God now and they're forgiven for everything in that old identity. They're forgiven for a way of living apart from God when they held God at arm's length and refused him and turned away from him Forgiven for all that, forgiven for all of our past mistakes and our present anxieties and our future uncertainties. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. And we're raised to this new life where we have relationship with God, where we have new relationship with ourselves because we begin to receive healing for shame and guilt and fear and blame and all these things that consume us on the inside we begin to receive God's power to address those things and to heal those things we begin to experience new relationship with others because we're baptized into a community of faith that's why baptisms happen on Sundays like this it's why we try whenever possible to do baptisms in the context of the church because it's a church event it's a family celebration it's the whole it's the community of the baptized in a sense whether or not everybody's taken that step, but it's, it's a family of faith saying, hey, we have died with Christ, and we have risen with Christ together, and we are with you, and we are for you, and that's why we're cheering these five on as they get baptized today, right? We're embracing them as a community because they're receiving this new birth into a community of faith in a, in a powerful way. And we have the whole direction of our eternity changed when we're raised with Christ. Heading towards that day, Jesus returns and makes all things new, and we inhabit the new creation with him. So there's a dramatic uh, symbolism that happens with baptism, dying with Christ and being raised with Christ. The reality is, for the five people who are taking this step this morning, they've already experienced that inward transformation. So they have at various points, and you'll hear these stories at different times in their past, they've already gone through that process of dying to their old identity and being raised to new life with Christ. What they're really doing this morning is renewing that commitment in baptism because they, they have not yet taken that step So they're reaffirming that commitment and in the same way God is reaffirming to them his commitment. Baptism is this two-way street where God speaks over their lives again his His word of grace and his mercy and his affirmation of them and his acceptance of them. This is a recommitment, reaffirming for them what is already true, that they are loved, that they are chosen, they are called, they are accepted in Christ. You know, Jesus got baptised. His baptism was a little bit different and for some slightly different reasons. But he went through this process of baptism by John. And when he came out of the water, he heard the voice of God the Father speak to him and say, You are my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. And I really believe that uh, when a person is baptized, it represents this new identity. We are now in Christ. We are now in the beloved son. That's where our identity is found. We're enveloped in Christ now. So my prayer is that when these five people come out of the water, that they in some way, I'm not saying audibly, but in some way hear the Father speaking to them those same words. It's not heresy because we're in Christ. The words spoken to Jesus are now words that we claim by faith in our baptism. And I pray these five would hear, I pray that you would hear this. The Father, you would take these words that the Father says to you, you are my beloved daughter, you are my beloved son, with you, I'm well pleased. Because I was pleased with Jesus. Not, not, a, not a thing of you've, you've, you've earned some kind of credential, but I'm pleased with you. I delight in you. My favor rests on you. I pray that you would just hear those words spoken into your heart in a way that is fresh and new and meaningful today. So let me just say a a brief word to two groups of you that are here this morning, and then we're going to have a couple of minutes to reflect on things as we take communion. Firstly, to those of you that have never been baptized, and you're followers of Jesus, and you've been through this inward transformation, you've died with Christ, you've been raised with Christ, you're following him, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but you've never taken that step of baptism, I want to encourage you to take it. There is no statute of limitations on baptism. It never gets old. It never ceases to be important. It's always a step of obedience for a Christian. I want to encourage you to take that step this morning. And if you sense God is prompting you in that direction, in fact, you don't really even need to have God prompt you in that direction because he's already done that. In Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples and baptize them. So it's simply stepping out in faith and obedience to what God has already told us. And I want to encourage you to take that step today. The waters are for you today. You, you don't need to wait any longer. You don't even need to set up some other time, other place. Don't make Peter set the pool up again. He works so hard. He's filled it with water. Today's the day, you know, really. And if, if, if you know that today's the day for you, uh, I, I want to just simply encourage you, don't fight that. Don't squash that voice and squeeze it out and push it away and and postpone it for another day. But embrace what God is doing in your life and how he's stirring your heart even now towards baptism. I don't want to mess with that work that he's doing in your life. And I want to encourage you not to either. If he's stirring you in that direction, I'd, I'd encourage you just to simply, when we have communion together in a couple of minutes, just come and tap me on the shoulder and we can have a brief conversation about it. And if today is your day, we can make this happen today. We've got towels. Even if you go home dripping wet. It's worth it, right, to take this step. It's an amazing and important step. I want to encourage you in it. And secondly, I want to speak to those of you that have never accepted Christ, that have never given your lives to Jesus. Or maybe you've just drifted a long, long way away from him. Maybe you have some affiliation with a church, membership in a church. You kind of got this Christian badge maybe that you wear or maybe not. But you you don't have, as you sit here this morning, if you're honest with yourself, you don't have a living and active personal relationship with Jesus. And if that is true of you, the water is for you too. It's for you. It's not something that you need to wait till another time and another place. You make that decision of faith. Here's how it happened in the time the Bible was written. In the first century, when someone wanted to follow Jesus, give their life to Jesus, one of the first questions they'd ask is, where's the water? And they'd find a lake or a pond or a river or whatever it is, and they'd wade into the water, and there'd be someone else, a follower of Jesus, who would baptize them, and they would make that confession of faith right there before whoever was watching, even if no one was watching, and they would be baptized. It all happened around the time a person became a follower of Jesus. And so if that is you today, and today is the day for you to step into this relationship with Jesus for the first time, I want to encourage you towards the waters of baptism as a way of putting a stake in the ground and saying, this is the commitment that I'm making. And so the physical act of baptism becomes a living expression of what is happening in your heart right now today, that God is transforming you, that God is turning your life around. You can receive a death and a resurrection today and be transformed and have your eternal destiny transformed 180 degrees. And you can represent that in the waters of baptism. So the waters are for you as well. And if you're in that category and God is stirring your heart in that direction, and you know this is the day for me to step into or step back into and run into the arms of the God who made me and loves me, then again, I encourage you, just tap me on the shoulder during communion. We can have a brief talk about it. And if this is a genuine commitment you're making today, I would welcome you to the pool and we'll baptize you as a brother or sister in the family of God. So you know if you're in one of those categories, and I'm not trying to pressure you or force you in any way. Uh, This is a time as we take communion for those of us that have been baptized to let our minds go back to that moment and let our minds be renewed in what that initial commitment was like, maybe to rehearse the story of our conversion, to remember when God's grace was first given to us, like that line in the old hymn Amazing Grace says, how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. Revisit that as we have communion together this morning and let God renew and refresh his grace in your life. And if this is a step for you today, even if you've not thought about it before this very moment, I want to encourage you to summon the courage and the boldness to step out in faith and take this step. I'll tell you, some of the people that are getting baptized this morning, it is taking massive courage for them. It is a huge step and a big, brave thing they are doing. I want to encourage you to allow yourself to be inspired by their boldness, but ultimately not to look to them, but to look at the cross. That's who you are. That's what was done for you. That's the depth of the Father's love for you. That's your sin being carried away. That's an invitation to new life, and that invitation is here for you today. The Father is here with his arms open wide, welcoming you to run into them. Let's pray, and we're going to share in a time of communion together. Jesus, we want to to remember your death and your resurrection. And it's hard, Lord, to find the words to say in response to that, but we are so grateful for what you have done for us to purchase our lives, to bring us forgiveness and freedom and a whole new identity, a whole new beginning, a new life. We're so grateful for that. Father, I pray for anyone here this morning who knows that today is their day. And I pray, God, that gently and lovingly by your Spirit, You would not let that voice be silenced, but would stir their heart, give them the courage they need, give them the bravery they need to take this step. And we pray, Lord God, for these five believers who are about to take this step in faith, that they would know what is already true, that your favor rests upon them today. And I pray that they would know your grace today like never before, that they would know all of heaven is rejoicing with them and with you today. So we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his death and resurrection, which gives us life and hope. It's in his name we pray. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shore.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 415 Thank you for listening.